Lord, I pray for your words. Father, I pray for a peace and a calmness and yet a boldness, Lord, to speak your truth. Not my truth, not the truth of men, but the truth of God. Father, please help me be articulate and clear. Father, please let your word shine forth. Father, as has been prayed, we, we ask that you prepare all of our hearts. Father, to apply what we learn to ourselves individually, not to worry about the, the people next to us, not to worry that someone else should be hearing this message. And Father, we pray for humility, that we are humble to hear and obey what you tell us. And all this we pray in Jesus' name, amen. Well, please open your Bibles to 1 Corinthians 12. 1 Corinthians 12. The first book of Corinthians follows Romans, which follows Acts, which follows the four Gospels. And while you're doing so, let me tell you that this morning I want to continue with our consideration of the strong bonds of Christ's church. Now we began this months ago by considering the things that unified the first church. We learned from Acts 2 that the members of that first church in Jerusalem had several things in common. Do you remember what they are? They were called by Christ. They were drawn by the gospel. They were given the Holy Spirit by whom we all are sealed. And they publicly declared their union with him through obedience in baptism. In addition, we learned from Acts 2.42 the priorities of the first church. They were the apostles' teaching, fellowship, the breaking of bread or the Lord's Supper, and prayers. And we consider the ordinances of the church, the Lord's Supper, the breaking of bread, believers' baptism. And today we observe each of these because they were commanded by Christ. <clears throat> As we examine the first church in Acts 2, 42 to 47, we also read a strong bond of the church in verse 44. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. Now this was before there was any division or strife in the church. And so we learned about how to avoid strife and divisions. We forgive one another. Well now today I want to continue this occasional series. And I want to preach on another strong bond of Christ's church. Membership in the body. Now today is just part one. I'm not going to talk this morning about why formal church membership is biblical. I'll, I'll say that it, it, it is biblical, but I'm going to save that for another time. Today, I want to talk about the importance of participation in the church, the body of Christ. And in 1 Corinthians 12, the apostle Paul writes about the body and the role its individual members play. So please stand with me as I read from God's word from 1 Corinthians 12. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagans, you were led astray to mute idols, however you were led. Therefore, I want you to understand that no one speaking in the Spirit of God ever says, Jesus is accursed, and no one can say Jesus is Lord except in the Holy Spirit. Now, there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all and everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. 
For to one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, and to another the utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by the one Spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another the ability to distinguish between spirits, to, one, to another various kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. All these are empowered by one and the same Spirit, who apportions to each one individually as he wills. For just as the body is one and has many members, and all members of the body, though many are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would be the sense of hearing? If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them, as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And on those parts of the body that we think less honorable, we bestow the greater honor, and our unpleasantable part, or unpresentable parts are treated with greater modesty, which our more presentable parts do not require. But God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. Now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. And God has appointed in the church first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, helping, administrating in various kinds of tongues. Are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Do all work miracles? Do all possess gifts of healing? Do all speak with tongues? Do all interpret? But earnestly desire the higher gifts, and I will show you a still more excellent way. Please be seated. 1 Corinthians was written by the uh, Apostle Paul when he was in Ephesus. It was probably written in the spring, but we don't know whether it was the spring of A.D. 53, A.D. 54, or A.D. 55. And he wrote the letter after having received both a letter from the church in Corinth and a delegation of Corinthian church members reporting that there was a division in the church. Now, Paul had founded the church at Corinth on his second missionary journey. And the, and the membership there was from all levels of society. They were both rich and poor. Most were not wealthy. Most were not considered wise and not of nobility or of noble birth. He wrote to correct the problems that they were experiencing in the church. They had slipped into a worldly philosophy and were looking at human wisdom. And recall that they were not in unity when it came to observing the Lord's Supper as we talked about a few weeks ago. They were suing each other. Their worship services were disorganized and unruly, and they tolerated sin in their midst. Well, this morning, as we look at chapter 12, I want to look specifically at verses 12 through 27, 
because we're going to consider the body of Christ. And I have three points for us to look at in this passage. And the first point is, each one of us is a member of the body. Each one of us is a member of the body. Now today, issues of race, religion, status, and gender fills the news. We can hardly go a day without hearing about some crisis of discrimination. And the news is filled with black lives matters, blue lives matters, all lives matter. We hear charges of racism, sexism, homophobia, xenophobia, Islamophobia. And there's calls for investigations, demonstrations, regulations. Our society calls for man-made solutions to sin-generated problems. Do we see the problem with that? Man-made solutions to sin-generated problems. We strive for equality of outcome rather than equality of opportunity. We give awards for participation, not excellence. We hear calls for income equality. We demand that the makeup of government organizations reflects the makeup of the community. And we place our trust in quotas, conditions, and commissions. And in so doing, our society overlooks the real solution, Jesus Christ. In Christ, we are all the same. We are all equal. And I want you to consider what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 12, 12, for four, 12 through 14. Follow along as I read. For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. Paul uses the metaphor of the body to explain how we are all related. And note that the body is one. Now, the body that Paul is talking about is the church. Remember Ephesians 1, and 23 that Pastor Ron has preached from. And he, God the Father, put all things under his, Jesus' feet, and gave him, Jesus, as head over all things to the church, which is his, Jesus' body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. The body of Christ is composed of all believers. Paul later writes the same thing in Romans 12, 4 through 5. We, though many, are one body in Christ. And just as we have one body, Christ's body, the church is one body. The universal church, comprised of all the believers. Nowhere do we read that Christ has many bodies. Nor does he pit one body against another. When Paul writes to the Corinthians, he is in essence writing to the church as it is in Corinth. He's not writing to the Corinthian church as if they were a separate entity. He's writing to that part of Christ's church that is assembled in Corinth or in that region. And so it is with all his epistles to the saints that are in Ephesus. Just as the church is the body of Christ, nowhere in the New Testament do we find the church is a building. Now they met in buildings, especially houses. But a building is not the church. Paul's use of the word body does not denote a, a structure. 
And neither does it denote an organization. Too many times we think of the church as an organization. But it's really an organism. It's living. It's breathing. It's growing. And just like our body, sometimes it hurts. It hurts when its members sin. And just like a body, it heals. It heals when there is forgiveness. Forgiveness both by God and by man. And Paul notes that the body has many members. Now, in your body, you have many members. You have one head, one nose, one mouth, two eyes, two ears, four limbs, five vital organs, and 206 bones. And each one of them belongs to you. Paul tells us that we are baptized into one body, not many bodies. And even though the members of this body are diverse, Jew, Greek, slaves, free, we're all part of the same body and therefore knit into one, regardless of race, regardless of where we were born, regardless of what we once believed, regardless of how rich we are, regardless of how poor we are, regardless of what sex we are. We are all here by one spirit. The same spirit who is God in Acts 5, 3, and 4. The same spirit who testifies about Christ in John 15, 26. The same spirit who we receive by faith, Galatians 3, 14. The same spirit by whom we are born, John 3, 5. The same spirit by whom we are sealed, Ephesians 1, 13. The same spirit by whom we are indwelt, John 14, 17. The same spirit who is our helper, John 14, 16. The same spirit who comforts us, Acts 9, 31. The same spirit who convicts us of sin, John 16, 8 and 11, through 11. The same spirit who sanctifies us in Romans, Romans or sanctifies us, Romans 15, 16. The same spirit who, by whom we are baptized, Acts eleven sixteen, And here, the same spirit into whom we are baptized. And brothers and sisters, this is just the short list. There is not a different spirit, one or for another. And despite what you may hear or read, true unity is not found in platitudes and political punditry. It's found in Jesus Christ. And yet, we're not all the same. There is diversity as well. God created male and female. There are many tribes, people, languages, and nations who will raise shouts of praise. And as 1 Corinthians 12, 4 through 11 tells us, there are a variety of gifts given by the Spirit. And these gifts are given for the common good. We are diverse to the glory of God. And because we're diverse, we are each individually important. And this leads to our second point. The body needs each one of us. The first point is each one of us is a member of the body. And the second point is the body needs each one of us. How many of you have heard the old saying, 20% of church members do 80% of the work? I see some heads nodding. 
It speaks of the fact that many who attend the church do not participate in the various ministries that keep the church going. Now for the record, I don't believe that formula holds true for Grace Bible Church, not in any way, shape, or fashion. I know that many of you do serve the church, and for that I praise God and I commend you for it. And there are many here who are engaged in different types of services. Yet I also know that there are some who have not yet taken the opportunity to serve alongside the many who do. Likewise, there are many here who attend home groups during the week, and yet there are some who do not. Sadly, some don't participate with the body outside of Sunday mornings. It's the only time that they're involved with the body of Christ. And I think what Paul says in our next section is applicable. So follow along as I read verses 14 through 20. For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would make it not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would be the sense of hearing? If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them as he chose. If all were a single member of the body, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. The church at Corinth was divided. Some of the more prosperous members looked down on those of a lower status. And recall from chapter 11 that when it came to sharing meals in the Lord's Supper, some ate their fill while others went hungry. And some even got drunk. Clearly, they thought they were more important or more entitled than others in the congregation. Now here Paul is uh, addressing the disunity that arises when some are unhappy with the spiritual gifts that have been given or not given. See, not all were apostles. Not all were prophets. Not all spoke in tongues. And I think what happens in such cases is that people don't see the importance of the gifts they have been given. They only look to the gifts that other people have. And they ascribe to them an importance and they want to be important. You see, it's true that not all of us are pastors or teachers. It's also true that not all of us are gifted to be worship leaders. Now, I love to worship the Lord, but you definitely do not want my off-key, off-beat singing leading the rest of you on a Sunday morning. And I'm grateful to the Lord that he has given us Ron, and he's given us Darren, he's given us Bruce, and most recently, Cal. But serving the body is not limited to those that are the most visible. See, there's not much more than that. There's the leading of home groups. There's cleaning the church. There's working in the nursery, teaching or assisting in children's Sunday school, making meals for families in need, doing repairs and maintenance on the church facility, doing repairs and maintenance for widows and those in need, excuse me, driving church members to or from medical appointments, coordinating the kitchen and its supplies, preparing the Lord's Supper, working in the office, 
working in the sound booth and video. There's so much more than just the visible um, gifts and the, the visible service that you see. And all too often we think these jobs are not important. We don't look to them. Sometimes we don't want to do them because they are, well, they're beneath us. It's not that big a deal and I'm more talented than that. And we're all too happy to let someone else do them. And we have our reasons. I work late. I work early. My time is limited so I don't have much time off. And it's just not my thing. Sometimes, because we are not all preachers or teachers or worship leaders, we think there is no place for us. After all, visiting the sick in the hospital is a job of pastors, right? Caring for children is something someone else does. Making sure the church is clean is the responsibility of the church staff, perhaps the church administrator or deacons or, or somebody. But what does Paul say to all that? Look again at verses 15 and, and 16. If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. See, just because the foot is a foot and because the ear is an ear, it doesn't mean that they're not valuable and that they do not perform a necessary function in the body. In verse 17, he tells us that if the body was just one big eye, how would it hear? If the whole body consisted of nothing but ears, how would it smell? And if the body consisted of nothing but preachers and teachers and worship leaders, we would all be lining up on Sunday mornings to take our spot on the stage. We'd be doing it in a dirty church with overflowing trash cans and no toilet paper. With no place for toddlers and babies. With no planned activities like potlucks and retreats and hot dog fellowships. But I ask you this, where would we be if we had no one working in the nursery or serving in Sunday school? Who would care for the children of that family that came seeking Jesus for the first time? If no one cleaned the church, what would it say about how important we consider the house of the Lord? What does that communicate to first-time visitors about our priorities? Now, some people are here at church only because someone else takes the time and trouble to drive them or give them a ride every week. What a service of sacrifice to go early to pick someone up, to bring that person to church, and then to take that person home afterwards. I know these things get done, but how much more can be done if we all act as if we are part of the same body? How much more can we do? Now, let me apply Paul's analogy a, a little further. If there were no eyes, the body could not see. This means the body would stumble around in darkness and would be weakened. The body would have to rely on the sense of hearing and the sense of touch to get around. And by necessity, it must then move slower. Bigger chance of stumbling and falling. If we injure a foot, 
Do we not have to hobble around on crutches for a while? Now, we use our hands to carry things. But if we have to use our hands to hold crutches, how do we carry something? Our hands are engaged in a task that belongs to another part of the body. Now, we get around, but we don't get around as efficiently, as effectively as we could if all the body parts were working. As a member of this body, you are an important part. And when you do not use your gifts, you deprive the body of an important function. I may be a pastor, but if there was not someone working in the nursery right now, a young mother would not be present to hear this sermon. Steve may be a pastor, but if someone didn't come in every week to make sure there were pens and comment cards in the seat backs in front of you, we couldn't ask people to share their contact information when they visit us. And we might lose an opportunity to reach out. We could not ask people to write down their prayer requests so we could take them to the Lord. Ron may be a pastor, but if we did not have Sunday school teachers and aides, we might not reach out to your children with the gospel. And we might not reach out to the children of the people who are moving to Hollister and looking for a church. And I tell you that without each member of the body, none of us can effectively minister to one another and to the unsaved who walk through those doors. And sadly, this means we don't effectively share Jesus. When we don't use the, God, the gifts that God has given us, we hamstring the body. See, we make the ears take on additional work the eyes should be doing. We make the hands take on additional work the feet should be doing. Likewise, when you try to exercise a gift you don't have, it's like, well, trying to walk everywhere on your hands and not using your feet. How far do you think you'll, you'll go when you try that? How fast do you think you'll get anywhere? But if you serve the Lord as the hand, the foot, the ear, the eye that God has made you, then you serve Christ in the ministry of the church. Then you are serving his body. And that is why we are gifted with the gifts we have. That's why we want to do service with the gift to which we are given. We do not serve the body for ourselves. We serve to bring glory to the God who made us just exactly as we are. Now, there might be personal benefits in doing so, and there are. But we're not going to go into the benefits of membership in the body today. As I said, that's another sermon. But when we serve as we are called to do, we reflect Christ to each other. When we do so, we reflect Christ to the world. And when we do so, we reflect Christ to Hollister. But that's not all. And this leads me to our third point. Each one of us needs the body. The first point is each one of us is a member of the body. Each one of us 
or the body needs each one of us, and each one of us needs the body. Now, please follow along as I read verses 21 through 27. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And on those parts of the body that we think less honorable, we bestow the greater honor, and our unpresentable parts are treated with greater modesty, which our more presentable parts do not require. But God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it, that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. Now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. None of us should ever, ever think we can do without even one of us here at Grace Bible Church. Paul tells us that we cannot do without parts of the body that are weaker. Do you know what the strongest body in the, or strongest muscle in the human body is? Based on its weight, it's the masseter. With all the muscles of the jaw working together, it can close our teeth with a force of 55 pounds, and that's on the incisors. 200 pounds on the molars. The muscle that can pull with the greatest force is the soleus, and it's right below the calf muscle. And it's a very important muscle for walking, or for running, or for dancing. Do you know what the weakest muscle is? If I'm pronouncing it right, it's the stapedius, which is in our ears. It modulates the conduction of sound. It is the primary sound-generated reflex in the body. The weakest muscle in our body helps us to hear. You know what the weakest joint is? I know there are some here that can answer that question. It's the knee. I can, I, I can testify to that myself. Sometimes the knee is called the body's Achilles heel. Think of how often we use our knees to sit, to stand, to walk, to run, and to kneel. Yet, which of these, the stapedius or the knee, would you be willing to do without? Weakest muscle, weakest joint, which would you be willing to do without? Paul points out that the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. Now, sometimes people can't work in the nursery because they cannot lift the weight of a hefty toddler. And we have some hefty toddlers sometimes. Some cannot clean the church because of physical limitations. Some of our elderly members have difficulty getting around so they cannot attend to some of the service areas in the church. But look around and you will see many of them serving in the ways God has gifted them. There are those who are our prayer warriors. Oh, we covet prayers. And they pray faithfully for us. They, their prayers are are heartfelt and consistent and meaningful. We have the meal makers. Those when we have families in need will rush to make a meal for them. We have the drivers. 
Someone needs to get to a medical appointment or needs to get somewhere. We have people that drive. We have the comforters. Those that come alongside are always there when someone is grieving. We have the givers. We have some very generous people who give sacrificially. Sometimes it's small amounts and sometimes it's great amounts. And we praise God for everyone who gives. These are members of the church whose ministries might not seem so visible. The whole body doesn't see them, but the whole body needs them. We cannot do without them. And likewise, Paul talks about the parts of the body we consider less honorable or less presentable. Well, think about these. We talk about someone having a, a good set of lungs. We say that someone has a kind heart or someone is brainy. How often have you heard anyone say, nice liver, Charlie? <laughs> or walk by and said, now that's a man with good kidneys. <laughs> Yet our body cannot function with no lungs, no heart, no brain, or with no liver or no kidneys. So we give them honor and we take care of them. These organs are held beneath our bones, they're they're covered by skin to protect them from the elements. They're not as durable as our, our hands and our feet. We have some parts that are less presentable, so we cover them. And by cover them, we give them honor. Now, it's easy to think of the parts that we do cover for modesty because we, we don't want to expose them and we don't want to make mockeries of them. But we also may have some other parts that we cover, so... They're not exposed. Perhaps that little extra flesh we have around the midsection as we get older. For some of us, we wear hats when we're out and about to protect them from the sun. The same goes when we take care of those who may not have great honor in the church. We look out for them and we care for them. We keep them from being subject to ridicule or mockery or put-downs. For the Corinthians, it was those who were poor of low social standing. We must honor everyone here, regardless of income, regardless of status. Remember, Jesus ate with sinners. He ministered to the poor and the downtrodden. He gave them honor. He was questioned for it, but he came for them. We have among us those, in society, those who society will look down on but they are members of our body too. We must care for them. and They need the body. And while none of us should think that we can do without one of us, neither of us can do without all of us. Amputate a foot and see what happens to the body. It's hampered. It will struggle to get along. And it cannot operate at maximum capacity. But what happens to the amputated foot? Well, it's no longer nourished by the body. It withers. It's useless. A foot left alone in the wilderness becomes food for animals and insects of all kinds. It decays. So it is with each of us. When we separate ourselves from the body, we needlessly expose ourselves to the danger of sin. 
Peter tells us the devil prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. When we try to live apart from the body, we become prey for Satan's schemes. But when we constantly feed on the word through preaching, when we constantly join in the worship with the saints, when we constantly are encouraged through fellowship with other believers, we are strengthened to deal with the enemy. And I have much more to say about this, but again, I'll save it for part two because it's exciting to consider what membership in the body includes. We each need the body because there will be times when we need the body. There will be times of suffering, times when we need relief from someone with a gift of mercy. There will be times of grief when we need comfort from someone who will mourn with us. There will be times of despair when we need hope from someone with strong faith. There will be times of weakness when we need strengthening with an edifying word. There will be times of confusion when we need counsel from someone possessing the wisdom of God. But we cannot experience any of these without the body. Now to illustrate, let me give you an example of something that, that happened this past week with me. There was a, a person at the, at the seminary who was facing a serious and possibly life-endangering situation. And many from his church came around him to help him out. One came to stay with him for a while. Another later provided a place for him to spend the night in safety. Still another drove him to the court so he could apply for a restraining order. Many gathered and prayed for him. The body of the church came to the aid of a member in need who was at that time weak. He didn't know what to do. He was suffering. He was afraid. And they recognized that if one member of their body suffered, they all suffered. Now he called on me to give him some counsel and to help him because of my law enforcement background. And so I drove with him to courthouses and law enforcement agencies. And as I did so, he reflected on how blessed he was to have so many turn out to help him. He recognized his need. And he didn't try to go it alone. He relied on the body to help him. And the body recognized that if one of its members suffered, all of its members suffered. This is what Paul tells us in verse 26. So the body responded. This is what Christians do. In Luke 25, Jesus tells us that as we do to one of the least of his brothers, we do it to him. And in John 13, 35, he said, by this all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. The body loves and reaches out and supports its members. And each of us individually needs to be part of the body. Let me give you a final observation from this section. Verse 25 says that God composed this body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it. We should give honor to all members of the body, including those that lack honor. Listen to what Philippians 2 tells us. 
So if there's any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Have this in mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death of a cross. We should honor everyone in the church. We should not think more highly of ourselves. We are part of the same body. Now let me close by making a couple observations here. We're down to the final three candidates in our search for a new teaching pastor. And as Steve said, this is a, this is a tough choice and we really do covet your prayers. We want to extend the call to one man in the next couple of months. We want to try and identify him in the next week or so and then work on all the finalities of everything. But I can't help but think what kind of church he will find when he gets here. Will we be a healthy body? Or will we be a body disabled because some of its members are missing? Or because they're not doing what they were designed and called to do? Will our bonds be strong? Will we cherish each part of our body not being willing to do without even one member. Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians 12, 27, now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. Will our new teaching pastor see that we act as members of Christ's body? Now I want to speak just for a moment to those of you who have not accepted Christ as your savior. This all might sound great to you. You're part of something big. Part of something that makes you feel good. But know this, you aren't a member of the body of Christ unless you have put your faith in him and in him alone for the forgiveness of your sins. Or you can fool yourself into thinking you're part of this. You can even serve. And you can be served. But please don't find yourself like one of those to whom Jesus referred when he said, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do mighty works in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. If this is you, please do not wait another day. Come talk to Pastor Steve or Pastor Ron or talk to me. We would love to lead you to the cross and to becoming a part of the body of Christ. Please pray with me. Heavenly Father, it is with joy that we, we serve. It is joy that we count ourselves members of your body, those who have placed their trust in Jesus Christ and in him alone. For there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. 
And we know that you've appointed us to serve us, Father. You've given each of us a gift. Father, I pray for each person here that we not overlook that. Father, that we use our gifts, and not just one of them or two of them, but all of them, however you have gifted us individually, for the building up from the, for the body. Father, for the edification of the saints. Father, for the service of Jesus Christ. Father, that we may demonstrate Christ. We may share your gospel. And we can indeed go and make disciples from all the nations. And especially right here in Hollister. Father, we love you. We thank you. We adore you. You are our Lord and we submit all that we have to you. May it be a joy to do so, not an obligation. But a joyful service because you have saved us. Through your grace, through your mercy, through your love, through your Son, Jesus Christ. In all this we pray in his name. Amen. Amen.